Welcome back. It's the Fan Bros Podcast. We're getting a little funky tonight. We just touched on some running back situations last last episode. This podcast, we're breaking down some receiving cores, wide receivers, and tight ends. We're going to talk about their ADP, who we like at their ADP, who we like. We don't even care they have a high ADP. We're still liking them. We're still going to go for them. We're just going to break down some overall feelers on some receiving course. Yeah, and these are all pretty strong teams. And then at the very end, we're going to do another rapid fire. Who are our top three receivers in fantasy for this upcoming season? So, quick list of the teams. We've got the LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks, the Buccaneers, Tennessee Titans, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, kick us off. So, we're going right into it. New city, new quarterback, new team, LA Rams. So, how ADP's shaking out so far out of the wide receivers is Robert Woods is going first, 44th overall, and then Cooper Cup is going second at 60th overall. And those numbers are consensus with every other player, like running backs, quarterbacks, everything. That's not just the wide receivers. And we've got the tight end Tyler Higby coming in at 160. So I really like Cooper Cup over Robert Woods this year. Um, just because I don't think Robert Woods is going to be able to match the production he had last year, and I think that Cooper Cup is a way better receiver. And now that there's Matthew Stafford, who's actually going to be airing it out and hitting his targets downfield, I think that's going to matter big time because Woods gets the cleanup work. You know, he gets the 10 yards, he gets a little 15 yards, and he broke a lot of them off for touchdowns last year. Almost every time he got a handoff near the goal line, he actually took it in for a touchdown. I just don't think he's going to repeat that this season. Yeah, so right here, Robert Woods, 44th overall, Cooper Cup, 60th. So a round and a half difference between the two. They're really close to me, but considering that round and a half gap, the better value is Cooper Cup. And I would probably take Cooper Cup just between the two of them overall. I think the touchdowns for him give him a chance to be a lot better of a receiver. Higby at 160 is interesting because that's, what, the beginning of the 16th round? Yeah. Now, I I still, he's outside the top 8, 10 tight ends. I like him there, but the best value here, I agree, is Cooper Cup at 60th overall. Yeah, and I like Higby a lot. I think he's going to make that T1 group, you know, where it's the top 12. It's kind of shaky with tight ends because really – the TE1s are like the top eight, in my opinion, because it's just, you know, the top 12, you know, those ones at the end aren't really doing much. I think that he could actually make it in that top eight, top 10, and get drafted way behind your Dallas Goddard, your Noah Fance type deal. I like Higby a lot at the end, um, but again, I don't know if I'm really willing to put it all on him. I might, you know, if I it hits me and I get Kyle Pitts, you know, kind of in the 7-8 the range, I might get Higby back at the, the 12, 14, 13 in there just to kind of give me some insurance. Yeah, I like that. And Gerald Everett is gone, so Higby is probably a little bit safer. Yeah. Now, just with the rant, the receivers, Woods and Cup, a big part of it is going to be who clicks with Matthew Stafford. I think it's interesting to kind of watch as much preseason that they play Mm -hmm. and even just read up on the reports because if one seemingly has the edge with Matt Staff, they're probably going to produce, and that could put Woods on top of Cup, but as they stand a round and a half later, give us Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah, and you know those LAB reporters are just going to be all eye-canning on whoever looks the best, whoever's you know catching the red zone touchdown that day, so it's going to be pretty easy to kind of see who does have that, that connection. I'm leaning towards Cup. You know, he loves that that 
that cocaine connection, that pure white on white. He's done it with Amendola. He, I, I think Cup is going to be good. I can see it. And also, with the news, like, you know, who does Matt Stafford click with? As the season gets closer, we're going to kind of incorporate any reports we're seeing just to keep you up to the latest and greatest. Next, the Seattle Seahawks. We have DK Metcalf going at a whopping 19th overall. Then we have Tyler Lockett going 54th overall. So that's more than three rounds between the two. And then Gerald Everett, who is now the top tight end, he's at 169. I think this is going to come down to the receivers because they're really good. Do you like DK three rounds ahead of Tyler Lockett? I love DK, but the value of Lockett is just so insane. Because you have a guy that's going to be a sure wide receiver two, could have a bunch of wide receiver one weeks. He did that last year, even with DK feasting and becoming this Megatron-esque receiver. I, I mean, it's hard to pass up DK. I mean, if DK's there and you need the receiver, you're taking DK. I'm not saying don't go away from DK, but I'm also saying lock it a couple rounds later. I mean, man, that value is insane. I know you you lean DK, but I'll let you present your case. I do, and it's really close because, man, I'm surprised how big this gap is. 35 yeah. spots difference, three and a half rounds. I still, I still just as a pure value... Metcalf's upside is one overall. Yeah. And yeah. I like him a lot this year. Lockett, to me, he's nice. I think his best ball is behind him, and I think that gap separates. So, I just, if I'm going to get one of these guys, I'm going to go at 19 and get Metcalf over Lockett. It, I like both. I would take both. Man, the value for Metcalf, even at 19, is steep, and I think there's a good chance he outperforms it. So, give now, me him. And let's touch on Gerald Everett real quick. Now, Russell Wilson loves throwing to the tight ends. He just hasn't had a sure tight end. He loves motoring them out, getting him in the seam. He's really good at working with the tight ends. Now, he had Greg Olson. Greg Olson got hurt. And then we've had, you know, the, the Montana. We've oh, had Will Disley. Will Disley, uh, big Montana. We've also had Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, and they both look great in spurts. Abercrombie kind of led it a little bit, a.k.a. Hollister, uh, <laughs> Jacob Hollister, can't just call him Abercrombie forever. You guys got to know who we're talking about. But, uh, man, he – I like Everett because they paid for him to come in here. And Everett has actually been a nice little tight end. And that's kind of all they're missing is a guy that can block and catch it. So I like Everett where he's ranked right now. I'm definitely taking him as my second tight end. I know a lot of people don't do that, but – the tight end is so important to your roster that I normally do try to take two tight ends. I'll take the mainstream one that's in the top eight, and then I'll try to get a value one in the back just because when you are missing a tight end, that's just the shittiest thing ever. It's just so, it's it so hard to get one. You're looking to trade for one. Nobody that has good tight ends is going to let their tight end go because you don't have a good one to give them back. So I, I kind of like Everett as a value back there as my maybe my second tight end off the board. And to give a little perspective, we're looking at Higby, 160th overall, Everett, 169th. These are the last two or three rounds. So this is, I mean, that's still, that's not bad value there, but we like these receivers we've covered so far. Yeah, definitely. Going right into the next one, the Buccaneers. We've got Mike Evans, 37 overall, Chris Godwin, 58th overall, Antonio Brown, a whopping 100. 18 overall and then we had to throw Gronk in there he had too much of production towards the second half and he's going 134th overall 
This one to me is very difficult and I'm waffling even as we sit here. I thought that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin would be closer. Mm-hmm. I thought they might be 10 spots apart, but it's 21 spots later is Chris Godwin. And then even that, we've got 60 spots later with Antonio Brown. So that looks like Antonio Brown in the 11th or 12th round, Mike Evans late third, or Chris Godwin late fifth. I I thought going into this I would choose Mike Evans, but seeing that it's a 20-spot difference, I like Chris Godwin. And, and Antonio Brown is really enticing at that ADP, but I think Godwin and Mike Evans are both going to be top 12 receivers. Give me Godwin at a fifth-round ADP, and he's going to turn out a wide receiver one kind of season. Yeah, I like – I man, it's just – all these are really good players. This is hard. This, this is, is hard, hard. because this is probably the most complete receiving core. We're not even touching the other tight ends that are there in the group, O.J. Howard and uh, Cam Cameron, Cameron Brate. This is probably the, the the best receiving core in the NFL, probably the best receiving core that's been in the NFL for, for a couple years. I mean, they're just stacked to the gills. I mean, we don't even have Scotty Miller up on here. Exactly. He's still he's there. He's a good player. And he's a good player. So, I... For value, I I I always like to go value because the thing is with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're probably gonna have pretty similar seasons, especially if they both are super healthy. Because they're gonna throw the ball. Tom Brady's gonna throw the ball. Tampa Bay, he's been he he came out with a vengeance to show that he could still throw the ball. I mean, did you see the video where he threw it into the jug machine this week? Yeah, that was, that? that was crazy. I, I mean, that's like some old fantasy files. I don't know how many people are here saw the old fantasy files. And he had an MCL injury all last year. Yeah. So it's feasible that he's better, even though he's a year older. Exactly. So I I I like every receiving option here, but bef- let me get into my favorites. I like Chris Godwin where he's at. I think Mike Evans him hash it out. And the best value here is Antonio Brown, 118. You're going round 11. You're talking about your wide receiver four, you know, wide receiver five if you just kind of got your three running backs you like and you're not going for another one. Man, he came and he instantly had a workload. He had 11 catches his first week there. They lost that week, but Tom Brady made it a point to get his boy on the Buccaneers and give him a role. He had 11 catches, 8 catches, 9 catches. Those are his first three weeks. He ha- he got catches every week, 5-plus, since he joined the team. Now, people don't look at that. People don't think about that. But, man, I think that starting off the year, he's going to kind of take Scotty Miller's role and expand on that because he's way better than Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller is an absolute burner, but Antonio Brown is one of the best wide receivers ever in the NFL. I mean, you forget about it because he probably had a little yay addiction or something, you know, wanted to be a rapper. Lost his mind. Lost his mind a little bit. But he's still, talent-wise, I mean, he is up there. I mean, we're you look back, you're going to talk about Megatron and Tony Brown. These guys are the all-time greats of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is good value, 11th round. So we neither of us take Mike Evans as far as ADP goes. We're both high on Chris Godwin, and then Hunter is really bullish on Antonio Brown in the late 11th round ADP. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. This has been a revamped core, and it's really interesting because they bring in Julio Jones, who has been a first and second round pick for how many years? Maybe six, seven years yeah, running? seven years. But now it appears, as far as ADP is concerned, he is the 1B. A.J. Brown is going 25th overall. Julio Jones goes a round and a half later at 42 overall. Then, at the tight end position, they got the new guy on the block, Anthony Ferkser at 169th. 
what do you what do you think of the three guys? Man, I <laughs> I love AJ Brown. I had AJ Brown his rookie year. I scooped him up off the waiver wire. I am a huge AJ Brown truther. He is so good. But man, I Julio. Mm, this is difficult. I probably would. I'm probably gonna take AJ Brown over Julio. I mean. But, I mean, you could do Julio as your wide receiver, too, in the fourth round. That is fucking crispy. That is so nice. Because he's probably going to have just a tad bit less better season than A.J. Brown. Because Corey Davis had a great fantasy year last year, and he's fucking Corey Davis. Julio Jones is Julio Jones. And they even got rid of Jonu Smith. So it's kind of even sharing up some more targets, some more focus, and... Mike Vrabel isn't one of those idiot coaches where if he gets Julio Jones and he's talking to the offensive coordinator like, hey, we're getting Julio Jones the ball, we're incorporating him. Mike, Mike Vrabel is actually a very good head coach. He wouldn't trade for somebody and revamp his team that's looking like an AFC championship favorite to just not throw Julio Jones the ball about 120 times. Yeah, I mean, they clearly think he's the missing piece on that offense. So what what this discussion comes down to, do you like A.J. Brown as your wide receiver one or Julio Jones as your wide receiver two, just compared to others in their category? When it you, sounds, I don't know, you said A.J. Brown, but does that change it for you? Yeah, when you say it that way, like, God damn, I want Julio Jones as my wide receiver two, there's, there's a big chance he finishes as the 13th receiver where he's not a wide receiver one, but... Damn, he had those wide receiver yeah. one weeks. He was better close. than his ADP. Yeah, way better than his ADP. So, I mean, you can do no wrong with these two. Let's say you get AJ Brown in the third round. I mean, that's not a bad pick at all. You get Julio Jones in the fourth round. That's not a bad pick at all. You know, it's just, ah, oh man, I, I'm probably now that you said that way. I'm probably Julio Jones, my favorite as as the value. So my take, and I'm a bit biased because I was personally victimized last year by Julio Julio Jones. I believed. Julio! And to me, I think there's more injury risk than most people are assuming. Now, fourth round is nice for a guy of his talent. Go ahead. A.J. Brown did have a knee surgery this postseason, and he is, he's, he's, he worked through two knee injuries last season. He played through them. I, they probably weren't as serious as he's making it out on social media. You know how players are these days. But he did have surgery this offseason. He does so have risk, too. There is some risk. Obviously, Julio Jones has a way bigger risk. Didn't mean to cut you off. But they are both injury-prone at this particular moment. No, that's a good point to make because you're right. A.J. Brown isn't just scot-free either. But I still the, the hamstrings of Julio Jones right. and the frequent and ankle... Yeah, I mean, I like him there, but A.J. Brown, he looks like a back-end wide receiver one as far as ADP, mm-hmm. and I he like could, him better than that. Could, I like him in the 5, eight. 6, 7, 8 yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, This one's close. I've been hurt by Julio Jones. Gave me A.J. Brown, even though he's a round and a half earlier. And we didn't touch on him at all, but the only tight end here that you would want on this receiving core is Frisker. Again, they're going to be – they do passing and running so beautifully. They, you know – Derrick Henry could have 35 carries in a game, and you wouldn't even know it But if you just looked at the stats of the passing game. So it is a very balanced offense. Ferkser at 169 compared to Gerald Everett or Higby, I really like those other two over Ferkser. But, he, again, 
as a second tight end, let's say you're kind of scared you got Kyle Pitts, you want some, somebody else, Ferksker produced. I mean, he produced even with Jonu there. I don't, I don't know what if Tom, him and Tannehill, you know, bunk up in the offseason or, or at training camp, but they're kind of boys. So I, I like him late. You could do a lot worse than him. I mean, in 169th overall, it's pretty much your last pick. Exactly. So yeah. it's saying, are you taking him or a wide receiver six or seven? You, you like Ferkser? Yeah, because tight ends, you just need a tight end. You need a good tight end. I so mean, if you take him there, I'm guessing the strategy is to see how the first two weeks play out. Mm-hmm. If he's a dud burger, one catch, one catch, drop him. But otherwise, yeah. he might be something. Yeah, I'd, after the first two, three weeks, I'd look at the snap percentage. i look at the targets. And if, if it's the storyline isn't there... Just cut bait with him because those first three weeks, actually probably two like you said because you want to be able to get those drops. So he's a guy you take at the, the back of the draft. You do a, a heat check first two weeks, not good. Drop him, you have an extra spot to pick up somebody because they're going to be popping up quick for, for some good ads. Yeah, and I think we've kind of talked about it between ourselves, but it's important to say Certain guys you take in the last two rounds, you don't want a guy where you feel obligated to, to hold, hold on to him. Even if he's not doing well. that That's the worst when you miss the first couple big running back pickups. Things like that. So, getting a guy like Ferkser, Gerald Everett, you're not going to be upset if you have to cut bait after one or two weeks. So, I not think that all. should play in a little bit into your strategy. Exactly. And we, we're big, big people on that. We're the last kind of two picks we have in the draft, we have a very short leash on. Unless it's somebody that is you know, an injury or a rookie and you're kind of waiting to see how the script is going to be. But me and Greg personally in years past, we're pretty short lease. We'll cut them, get somebody else in there because the pickups the first two weeks are not going to be like the end of the season. There, There's going to be not a lot of pickups towards the end of the season that are going to matter like those first two weeks. I think so too. So that just kind of says your last couple picks, you might want to avoid somebody who you might feel attached to. As weird as that sounds, sometimes that's a good strategy. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the last team we're going to talk about at the wideout position, they're stacked as well, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So last year they threw the ball a lot. They could not run it. There's questions if they're going to be more balanced. Najee Harris, but they still have talent on the outside. So first of all, Deontay Johnson comes off the board first, 59th overall. Next is Juju Smith-Schuster at 75th overall, 16 picks later, round and a half. And five picks behind Juju is Chase Claypool at 80th. And then we also have Eric Ebron, who's been good in the past at 148. So he's higher than the Higbees and the Everett's. What do we think of those four receiving options? I I am really big on Deontay Johnson. Even though he's up there at 59, he's going to go as your wide receiver too. I like him a lot. When he was healthy and everything was like the first, a good way to tell is, you know, how does the season start off? And you look at him in the first three weeks when everybody was healthy, everybody was there. Obviously, Claypool hadn't burst onto the scene just quite yet, but Deontay Johnson was double-digit look, double-digit targets, you know, all those weeks. And then he got a little banged up, came back healthy again, double-digit targets later in the year. So he's got a connection with Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger knows wide receiver talent. He throws, you know... you. The Steelers have had so many good receivers. And, and they he, come out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere, and Ben Roethlisberger knows who's fucking good. Because you, the first year, you, you'll be like, who is Ben Roethlisberger throwing this ball to? And then a couple years play out, and you're like, holy shit, you know, it's Antonio Brown. Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. You know, he's like, he knows. He knows who's good. So, I mean, that's kind of eye test. I like Deontay Johnson a lot. And then I'm taking Claypool over Juju. I just don't like... 
I, I get Juju's back in the slot, and that's where Juju's the most productive is when he's in the slot because he can kind of get aggressive off the line of scrimmage, kind of a strong receiver. But I like the explosiveness of Claypool. They work him in on the goal line. They give him pitches. They do all sorts of funk for him, little screens. And I think now 10 years ago, a decade ago, it was really the third year as a wide receiver would break out. But it's the of recently, it's the second year they break out. It is you know, quicker. DK, it's, I mean, A.J. Brown, it's the second year. It's not the third year. That's kind of years, that's kind of ancient thought process. I really like Claypool this year to kind of follow the trend that's been the last four or five years of the second year breakout. So all three of these guys are good to where they worry me taking any of them. I wanted to say, and Deontay Johnson, just my, my memory from last year, what I remember is a bunch of targets and he got open, but he dropped a lot of balls. Yes. Now, that's something that doesn't always stay. If he can fix that, he's fairly elite yeah. as a talent. He is. Now, do I want him around and a half over both Juju and Claypool? Short answer for me is going to be no. And give me Juju at 75. So, basically, if Deontay Johnson's your wide receiver, 2-3 borderline, or Juju or Claypool is your 4. And for me, I, I'm going to give him one last crack. I think he has a lot of reason to go hard. I'm going to go Juju as my wide receiver four in the seventh, eighth round because I think he'll have a safer touchdown floor. Mm-hmm. I think he goes for six or seven, and that alone gives him a pretty healthy floor. These guys are all good. I, I would not be surprised if Claypool went hard, Deontay Johnson. Juju is just the safest one to me, and I kind of would like him as a wide receiver four. See what he does, and you're not too hurt if he doesn't start. But yeah. all these guys are good. I like that a lot, and you got to remember too. Like I talked about, he's back in the slot, and that's when he really had those big years. Is when Antonio Brown was still there, and he was in the slot doing the mismatch because yes. he's a very big mismatch in the slot. Now, touching on Deontay Johnson, he kind of reminds me a lot of Will Fuller, where he's so open and he he just was fumbling and bobbling balls. A lot of people forget if that's you're a not a, if you're not a true Texans fan how many balls Will Fuller would bobble. And it was almost like he was just so open, he had so much time to think about it, that he would just get lost in his route and just drop the ball. I get shades of that with Deontay Johnson. Because in when Deontay, when Will Fuller hit, he didn't drop, he hasn't dropped balls, he's taken to the crib, he's looking very elite. And that, that's the kind of vibe I have from Johnson. I could be wrong on that. And I know if you're listening, you're probably taking our opinion pretty high. But I, I really think that he's another kind of Will Fuller where he's going to get the dropsies out and he's just going to be straight fire. That, that's a good comparison. And like you said, Fuller did end up shaking it. Deontay Johnson's ADP kind of reflects that thought that he's, he's gonna, past the negative parts mm-hmm. and he's ready to be here. It's a tiny bit rich for me. Yeah, I get Give that. me Juju. And, and I like Ebron too. So while we're here, let's recap the tight ends. I'm going to go from highest to lowest ADP. Number one, Rob Gronkowski, 134, probably a back-end tight end one. Then you've got Eric Ebron at 148. Then you've got Higby at 160 and tied at 169th. Your last pick would be Gerald Everett or Anthony Ferkser. If you've got to take one of those guys at their ADP, who is it? Ooh, man, I love Higby. I did all of them for the ADP. Now, I think that Gronk might have a better season than Higby, but I don't want to... I, you know, three rounds between three the rounds two. between the two. I mean, I think Higby could maybe have the exact same season, maybe a little bit better than Gronk, just depending on on how that kind of shakes up over there. 
But, man, Higby for the value right now is insane. Gerald Everett's gone. They really – Van Jefferson last year, the rookie receiver, didn't do much. And they used to run a lot of three wide receiver sets, but I think that's going to be changing because Staff do, does love to hit up the tight end. He so does. I think that Higby's in for a big leap this year, and he's going to pay off where his ADP's at. I agree. Tyler Higby with your second or third to last pick, I, I like him better than those other guys. Considering that as your wide as your uh, tight end too, excuse me. Yeah. And you can draw him in this in the you know week three or four if he's not doing anything. Exactly. No harm. Okay, the last thing we want to do, a rapid fire. Each of us, who are our top three fantasy wide receivers? You want to start off? Sure, I'll go right into it. Um, my top three, it's kind of weak. I'm using, I kind of use the consensus three, but this is my honest to God. Opinion. There's a reason that There's, these guys are yeah, ranked high. I, I have a, uh, and I have a pretty good uh, palette for receivers. I'd say I normally pretty good on them. Devonte is my number one. Tyreek Hill as the number two and Diggs as the number three. Those are in my order who I would take off the board in the correct, perfect scenario. I have all three of them there. I'm, I'm the ninth pick overall. The, the running back's kind of reached, and I'm ready to, to be the first receiver off the board. I'm, def, I'm going Devontae, Tyreek, Diggs. I like that. I like that. And, and those are all pretty safe plays along with some boom potential. Mm-hmm. So the first two, I've just got flop from you, and it's just so close. I like Tyreek Hill a little bit better than my number two, Devontae Adams. And three, I do like Stephon Diggs, but give me DeAndre Hopkins. I think he has another 1,500-yard season in him, and I think it happens now. So those are our top three receivers each. There's a lot of good receivers, but, I mean, we're talking first round, ninth or tenth pick. These are the guys we're probably seeking as it stands now. Definitely. And, again, I I like Hop. You know, it's going to be his second year in the system. Kyler Murray was still trying to run everywhere. I think he's still going to run pretty hard. But, man, he looks like he's primed to take a step up in the passing department. They kind of brought in a bunch of receivers. They brought in A.J. Green. Still have Christian Kirk. They got D-Hop on his second year. And D-Hop is always looking to get vengeance. He just plays with a chip. He doesn't like how nobody respects him. You know, I, I just disrespected him, you know what I mean? People do that all the time. I mean, there, there's three out of probably eight that are elite. But, yeah, Hopkins, it, I think me putting him at three is almost a value thing because he's going at the second, third turn. Yeah. And, man, I just like him there better than a guy like a Keenan Allen. That's oh, just me, yeah. and I think he sneaks into the top three. Oh, that's an easy That's an easy narrative. That he finishes top three. I mean, he's been a number one finish. He's been a number two finish. He's Absolutely. been a number three finish. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's not other realm of possibilities. Hey, thank you all for joining us again. We hope you like these last two. We've got a lot more coming up in the next few weeks. We're talking position groups, teams, sleepers, draft strategies, and thanks for joining us. We'll be back.